regardless of who wins uh, this next election, Bolsonaro has set the country on fire and he's unleashed this 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 renewed fascism like Brazil hasn't seen in forever and unleash this white supremacy that Brazil hasn't seen forever. What's going on, good people? Welcome to another edition of the Bituation Room. I am your host, Francesca Fiorentini. I am so happy to have you here. I'm so glad you pressed play. I'm so glad because we have a very good show. Um, it was it was going to be completely international focused. And then Lindsey Graham just decided to try and ban abortions. And so we had to talk about that, you know, walking, waking nightmare uh, that we live in. So, but we've got such a good show because journalist Michael Fox is joining us who has been covering Brazil, the rise of Bolsonaro, and now in advent of his potential re-election, um, what's happening? What's going down uh, in the biggest country in South America, though not the only country, okay, vamos Argentina. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just had to get that in there. Also, your boy Nato Green is back on the stream, in the cast, and we will talk about the crown, the monarchy. How do we feel now that, uh, you know, she kicked the bucket and uh, we've got King Charles, which suddenly sounds like scarier. And that's just the sexist in me being like, I don't like kings. Queens are great. Like, yes, queen. Yay. King. Mm, mm, starting to work. Mm, scaring me. Scaring me. Um, and of course, we're going to talk about, of course, like I said, Lindsey Graham. And then we're going to end with... Um, talking about all the little white childhoods that are being ruined by having black hobbits and black elves in the new Lord of the Rings prequels. So uh, let's just drive the knife in further in these white supremacists and ask how we can ruin even more childhoods from fragile men. Um, so stay tuned for that. Also, speaking of fragile people in the fantasy world, NATO and I are going to stay on for a bonus episode for all the patrons talking about J.K. Rowling. Yeah, that's right. Um, I haven't read a single Harry Potter and I'm not about to start because I stand with the trans community. That's right. My lack of reading suddenly behooves me and I am now absolved. Now I'm on the right side of history. Everyone who read the Harry Potter series... You guys are on the wrong side of history, sorry. Uh, but no, we're going to talk about that because she's got a new book series out and uh, it is strikingly similar to her own story. But is it? So we're going to talk about that uh, for all the patrons. And again, if you are a patron, God love you. And if you, God, that's such a Biden thing now. I just want to say God love you. And uh, if you, although he says it when he hates someone, but he, anyway, the point is, Patreon.com slash Bituation Room. All of your bonus episodes. We're talking 10, 15, sometimes 20 minutes of content. Extra stories. And you can tip the show TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. Uh, but again, I urge you to become a patron. Remember, there's tons of perks. You get 20% off all merch. You get free merch if you're a top-tier patron. You get access to the AMAs. You get access to the bonus content. Um, you get access to 
my maternity leave contents, I'm going to be doing the weekly roundups because you know how much they slap. And that'll be fun. So um, also, I just want to shout out some, uh, you know, the Twitch chat. If you guys are listening as a podcast, this means nothing to you, but it means something to me because Punch Up Dragon resubscribed uh, and Squirrel, Squir- Squirrely Coney resubscribed. And I just thank you, um, Rianlin86, giving out two community subs. This means nothing except it means a lot to the people on Twitch and part the Frantifa that is there. Also, please write this show a five-star review on uh, iTunes. Um, Carol DeMom says, I love Francesca's sharp insight, clear commentary, right attitude, and calmer calmer volume. <laughs> I like her calmer volume. Are you saying other commentators are shrill? Um, while remaining unapologetically progressive and, get this, iconoclastic. Thank you. Thank you. Lowers pixelated glasses onto face. I forgot which meme that is. I think it's the. I'm gonna fuck it up and sound like a mom because I'm almost a mom. Um, guys, let's get into it. Let's get into this week. Uh, I don't have a lot, but this is what are you bitching about? I'm gonna save what I'm bitching about till later. Uh, And you'll see why. Again, there's a lot to talk about. But I will say, as a pregnant person um, who's in their third trimester, the the inner groin, really, really painful. Just like all them ligaments. Yeah, they are on fire. Apparently, it's called lightning crotch, and I have it. So uh, I am getting bigger by the, I think, by the hour. And uh, there's just a perpetual inner groin pain. So uh, please become a patron. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> please send me your condolences. I'm doing my stretches. I'm doing everything. But damn, the, like the body is going like, oh, it's about to get a whole lot worse. Just you wait. You're going to need this. <laughs> so um yeah i'm just complaining about inner groin pain and that's pretty much it because i got a lot more to bitch about later on in the show but i want to bring in for the hour my guest um comedian labor organizer father please welcome nato green shalom bitches <laughs> <laughs> what's up nato good to have you back Good to see you. You you just said that you're almost a mother, and then you said that you're in the third trimester. And as far as Republicans are concerned, you're all you've been a mother for four trimesters already. So <laughs> since you were born, yeah. Um, no, it's hard because like I'm getting I'm getting to the moment where I look at my cat and I'm like, see, I that's a life. This less a life, but it's moving enough to the point where I'm like, no, okay, maybe this also rivals cat. Yeah. And then of course, when it's born, you know, we will put the cat in a box and say free and uh, push it down a river like Moses. Anyway, you know, life, life begins when you're old enough to have your first TikTok account. (laughs) Oh, so it will never begin for me. I know we're on TikTok. 
Are you on TikTok? Uh, I think I created an account once, and then I couldn't figure out. Someone sent me a link of people lip syncing my bits, right? And so I went to look at it, and uh, and then I couldn't figure out how to TikTok worked, and I never looked at it again. <laughs> and I'm like, if it's important, it'll turn up on my Instagram or my Twitter, and that's you know, fool me once, fucking Periscope. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I had I had the audio of one of my videos room completely removed from TikTok because it it cannot understand sarcasm, which is pretty much the language I speak 90% of the time. So all I said was gas the Jews and then they they took the whole <laughs> the whole thing down. It was an ironic gas the Jews. I was being Hitler. I was fragile. It was, it, was, yeah. it was a bit. <laughs> yeah, no, you were you were just talking about farting in bed with Matt. <laughs> Nato, what are you bitching about today? Francesca, what I'm bitching about today is the movie Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, oh, come on. It just, it just turned up on Netflix. It, I, it, I didn't watch it when it came out. Um, and uh, and it, was, um, it came out in 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, famous Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman vehicle. Um, mm-hmm. Stanley Kubrick's last film that was released posthumously i think and the movie is fucking ridiculous first of all it's two and a half hours long and it has the most repetitive dialogue it feels like they're doing call and response or like you know praying in synagogue where a solid third of the movie is people repeating back what someone just said to them (laughs) you know do you want to go outside? Do I want to go outside? Yes. Do you want to go outside? That's yes, like, I want to go outside. That's most plays. You realize that, right? Yeah, but it's like you've you've written a script or two in your day. Like, <laughs> haven't you been through where they're like, no extraneous words, get in and get out uh, as quickly as possible, all that kind of stuff. And and so so there's that. Then the other thing is for some for no good reason, I like I had it in my head that. Um, I knew that there was like a weird sex cult orgy bit. Yes. And uh, and I had it in my head that Vincent Chiavelli is the, was in it. Um, he is, Google image him. You'll be like, oh, that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so I spent the whole movie being like, when is Vincent Chiavelli and his weird ass face going to show up? <laughs> Why would you think? Yeah, the, uh, yeah, Vincent Chiavelli. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why would that you? Guy. He's not hot enough to be an eyes wide shut. Are you kidding me? No, but he is hot enough to be, or he's not, he's not, he's weird enough to be in a creepy weirdo orgy scene with like a bunch of like, you know, fucking skull and crossbones. When do we get Vincent Chiavelli's dick? Well, it's just like, clearly there was a bunch of like, like rich New York, you know, uh, parasite Jeffrey Epstein homies, uh, like on Fuck Island in in Eyes Wide Shut, but the <laughs> b- my biggest problem with the movie uh-huh. is that the plot of the the entire plot of the movie is you have a hot married couple, yes, and like leaving aside the whole thing about Tom Cruise's like B story as a doctor, where he like he goes through the movie and he keeps trying to get into places, and then he's he'll be like, well, I, I am a doctor, and then he take he shows them his medical ID card. Like it's like like you know like the way that cops show their badge. Right, right. I'm a and doctor. I'm a doctor. Here's my medical ID card, which is not a thing that doctors ever do. And he's like, it's all these people in you know like everybody's on the Upper East Side and has like an 18 room uh, condo, you know, like <laughs> only murders in the building style. But then, so you have a hot couple, 
who has a apparently perfectly satisfying sex life. And then at some point, Nicole Kidman's character says that she once was attracted to another guy and thought about like being into it, did nothing. And then he goes out and tries to fuck everyone in the world. Um, like <laughs> he's like, Oh, you gradual oh, dude ever. Yeah. Yeah. He, she says, yeah, I saw a hot guy once. And then he ran out and be, and, and just started running through the streets of New York being like, I'm filling all the holes now. Like he tries to find a prostitute. Then the next day he goes back and tries to find the prostitute again. Then he tries to fuck her roommate. Then the roommate's like, oh, that other lady, she has AIDS now. And then he's like, well, I guess we're not fucking that. You know, like, then he tries to go to the orgy. I remember, okay, hang on. Let me just interrupt you because we probably shouldn't talk about this the whole time. Though, go off, King. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I watched it maybe when I was like 18 and didn't really have a sense of like a lot. And I was like, oh, it was actually really good. And it wasn't just like a weird culty sex scene the whole time. It was about like his jealousy. It was about their like relationship. And it was well done until at some point, probably when Kubrick died, there's a scene that apparently he, there were like, they did like a hundred takes of, which is a a sign that he should probably be like hospitalized rather than continue to like film. And um, that scene is the most boring, awful scene. And the whole picture, like, I just wanted, like, the the film to be melted right then and there. It just shuts down. What, I wonder what scene it was. It's like the conversation scene with him and the old dude at the end. And they're just, like, spinning around and it just never ends. Oh, yeah, 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 right. We're, we're the old, yeah. There's a whole thing. I mean. But it was uh, a good movie. It was good until, like, it's good until the end. Well, here here's the thing: is it's it's a well done movie. Yeah, but it's it's a well done movie about horrible people being horrible. Yes. Uh, and like, do you not and, like Seinfeld? Because that's horrible people being horrible, but it's funny. Uh, no, I like. I mean, this is true of like a lot of our like cherished cultural uh, artifacts of the past. Is that with these things that we have sentimentality about and then you go back and you're like oh this is just this great cinematic masterpiece you know in hindsight actually was just two hours of misogyny <laughs> you know what i okay last thing on this i watched the movie splash again that is an hour and a half of misogyny because uh tom hanks's character is like ew you're a fucking mermaid gross you like and then this is after he proposes marriage to her falls madly in love and then throws her to the cops to arrest her just because she's a mermaid which we'll be talking about mermaids later on i thought that was bullshit he's like no 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 you're a mermaid and you didn't tell me and fuck you you should be locked up you freak and you're like you were just about to marry her does that mean (laughs) nothing to you just because she's got flippers all right we gotta move on we're getting into the week um uh nato hates film everything's fine uh this was a week where Steve Bannon turned himself into a New York Supreme Court where he pled not guilty to six counts of money laundering and conspiracy in connection with stealing money from donors who gave to a foundation to build the wall on the U.S.-Mexico border and definitely deserved to be defrauded. Like, if any donors deserve to be defrauded, they did. Like, what's the, what's the legal happy ending to this story? Like, that Bannon uses the money to build the wall? No, fuck that. That's bullshit. Also, on his way into the courtroom, 
he plugged his podcast, which say what you will about Steve Bannon. Like that's, mm, that's good promo. It's good promo. Um, Jeff Bezos's rocket blue origin burst into flames at 29,000 feet. It was not carrying people, but objects. And considering what Bezos thinks are objects, we can assume many, many Amazon workers died in the fire. 72 House hey Democrats. Oh, 72 House Democrats are urging Speaker Pelosi not to include changes to oil and gas permits and the Mountain Valley pipeline in a temporary funding bill. Uh, stipulations that Joe Manchin was pinky promised in order to get his vote for the other climate bill. Yes, they made him a deal that he gets to destroy the environment if he votes for the environmental bill, which means bribing Congress has less dignity than bribing a child. This is like, hey, if you eat your vegetables now, I'll let you murder every celery stalk on the face of the earth. Okay? <laughs> the DOJ has issued 40 new subpoenas to Trump aides in connection to the alternate slate of electors plot, which might have something to do with Trump's weird meeting with about a dozen aides on the green of his Bedminster golf club. They were pictured without any golf clubs, uh, but they seem to have been drawing straws. That's what I think they were doing. They were just drawing straws, and Trump's like, I got the short one. That means you protect me, right? And finally, 115,000 American rail workers will strike as soon as Friday if they don't reach an agreement with industry for time off and any sick days. They don't have any sick days at this point. The strike could cost the U.S. $2 billion a day and be an economic disaster if an agreement isn't met. Biden is in a hugely tough spot. And you got to wonder, is he going to break the strike? Trains are his most precious and beloved form of transportation. This would be like Mr. Rogers putting on his conductor hat and getting ready to go to the world of make-believe, but instead throwing trolley at the wall and then screaming into the camera, grow up, you little shits. <laughs> For everything else, this is the week where. This was the week where England's longest serving monarch, Queen Elizabeth II, finally croaked at the age of 96. She was queen for 70 years. And I don't know much about Queen Elizabeth other than her fictional, fictional portrayals in The Crown. Love that series. Uh, also, Naked Gun. Great queen uh, appearance. It wasn't actually her. Should have been. Could have been. But no. Um, and now we're all having a conversation about colonialism. And come to find out, a lot of people don't think it was that bad. So that's been fun. <laughs> so just so you guys know, the British monarchy is still heads of state in 14 countries, including Antigua and Barbuda. They're known as Commonwealth realms. They're a vestige of the British Empire. The realms are different from other members of the Commonwealth nations, which consist of dozens of countries that were colonized by the British, but ditched the monarchy in favor of a republic. 17 countries left the British monarchy during the Queen's reign, and the last nation to do so was Barbados in 2021. Um, she oversaw like a lot of fucked up shit, repression of the Mau Mau in Kenya in the 50s, Operation Banner in Ireland, Northern Ireland, which lasted for four decades, uh, like a 1956 attempt to get the Suez Canal, which was like, what? And then, of course, the Falklands War, 1982. Um, there is 
there, let's see, she kind of always was able to sort of distance herself from a lot of that. Um, but let's see, obviously, India and Pakistan became independent nations in 1947. This was before she um, ascended, uh, became is a sort of doing a lot of heavy lifting um, in terms of the ways that those countries got their independence. Nigeria did the same in the following decade. Sri Lanka became a republic in 1972. Um, and let's see, there are some, yes. The queen often seemed to benefit from a belief, this is from the New York Times, that she could be separated from Britain's at times callous rule. Queen Elizabeth was assigned little blame when the British authorities in Kenya tortured suspects, suspected Mau Mau rebels in the 50s or after British forces fighting anti-colonial unrest used similar tactics against civilians in Cyprus in 1955 and Aden, Yemen in 1963. So NATO, can you separate the queen from the empire, the art? the artist from the art, so to speak? Or is, is the whole thing canceled? I think it's kind of cool that she was the last emperor. <laughs> like, you know, that, that what distinguishes her rule is the collapse of the British Empire. Yes. Uh, you know, it's not, like, it's not like the carnage that they inflicted at the end was worse than the, like, all the horrible things that they did during the empire. So like, uh, you know, good at, uh, you know, what, what, a, what a remarkable legacy to leave of failing to maintain the British empire. Yeah. Um, in spectacular fashion. I mean, I think, I think not the instances I mentioned were not graceful, but ultimately the writing was so on the wall that you're like, yeah, you you needed to let them go because you're not you don't have any other way to hold on to these colonies um and but it is funny that like if she were american right now fox instead of praising her and like sort of weirdly being royalist about it they'd be like this woman oversaw the downfall of the great american empire you know like she let it all go to pieces if a man had been king, yep. Uh, you know, I mean, and the thing that people don't say enough about Queen Elizabeth that I really think needs to be part of the, you know, as we reflect on, on her reign, is that she liked to fuck. Um, <laughs> she was she eyes was, wide shut up in Windsor yeah, Castle. Yeah, she was. She was just super into coming. Uh, she was, I think, clearly comfortable being around pedophiles. Um, <laughs> And, and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, I, I just think we need to put that out there into the world that the queen really liked to fuck. Now, when you're basing this on what? I just think it would be a fun rumor to spread. Oh. Like if all, all the habituation the... room listeners were like, yeah, I heard the queen really liked to fuck. Yeah. We're inviting Michael Fox, a uh, journalist, uh, is yeah. going to be discussing his deep dive into the queen's sex life. <laughs> um, I just thought it was because he, you know, she owns so many pearl necklaces. Bam. <laughs> oh, but never inside. You can never come inside. I'm sorry. Um, that being said, okay, there's some King Charles, um, who, by the way, has the fingers of Oscar Mayer sausages 
please, in your spare time, look this up. Holy shit, my man has some thicky fingies. Um, he sa has said before about slavery, this was in, um, I, I don't know exactly what year this was, but this was recent. He said at the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting in Rwanda, I want to acknowledge the roots of our contemporary association run deep into the most painful period of our history. I cannot describe the depths of my personal sorrow at the suffering of so many as I continue to deepen my own understanding of slavery's enduring impact. King Charles also apparently is like very pro-renewable energy. Um, he has visited the occupied territories in the West Bank. Um, He's done some interesting things, uh, none of which will make up for how he treated the princess and drove her to her death. That, that must be stated. But yeah, so it's unclear, but I'm like, at this point, 70 years, like you had a good run. Can you just pack up the monarchy? And a lot of countries are now talking about that. On Saturday, the Prime Minister of Antigua and Barbuda announced plans to hold a referendum on becoming a republic within three years. In Australia, the Bahamas, Belize, Canada, and Jamaica, debates have simmered for years about their democracy's ties to a distant kingdom and have started to heat up again. From the Caribbean to the Pacific, people are asking, why do we swear allegiance to a monarch in London? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I also think, like, you know, she was queen for 70 years. And she, her ascent, she was pretty young, you mm -hmm. know, comparatively. This motherfucker is 73. So, like, we have no, you know, very few people alive remember her, her, her coronation. But it means that we're going to, like, cycle some monarchs pretty fast coming up in the UK here. <laughs> we're going to get Charles, you know, soon we're going to get, we're going to end up with Andrew, know, Andrew, Baron Trump. We're just going to yeah. work down the list. <laughs> It's okay. So I, I have to play this because it was the best thing to happen. Um, as her body, I believe was being transported. Um, by the way, in England right now, today, I believe, um, all operations are canceled in addition to food banks are closed. So in honor of the queen's death, um, your urgent operation it needs to stop and uh sorry no foo foo for you uh i don't i don't know i don't know if that's the right way to go and if you want to preserve the monarchy it should be like everyone gets an operation oh you don't need one i would yeah we're doing it anyway let's get that mole baby um but here is um the royal procession and prince andrew again bffs with jeffrey epstein has settled out of court uh around basically trafficking and and sex with a minor um uh in in the year 2001 but settled more recently here is a kid yelling at him um and see if you can make out what he says so that's in edinburgh and he says andrew you're a sick old man just screaming at him that kid proceeds to get tackled, arrested for saying that, and here's then what he had to say. Uh, powerful men should be allowed to commit sexual crimes and get away with it. He says, I would say that powerful men shouldn't be able to uh, commit sexual crimes and get away with it. Pretty good. Pretty good. Did you, did you enjoy the Lizzie in a Box video? No. 
Oh, it's amazing. I mean, uh, I, I, I haven't yet seen it to enjoy it. It's, it, it's uh, an Irish football stadium uh, when people, supposedly when people found out that she had died of a whole stadium of people in Ireland singing Lizzie's in a box. Um, <laughs> you know, it's savage. dumb. It's savage and it's great. I mean, I, I've watched and I posted an Argentine commentator, uh, newscaster, just ripping her a new one. Because Argentina, of course, was a country that they that the UK tried to colonize many times, was unsuccessful, but hey, brought football and some railways and then ended up colonizing the Falklands, the Malvinas, which BT dubs, if you didn't know, a little tidbit, they have claims to Antarctica based on their ownership of the Falkland Islands, which houses 1,500 people. A thousand of them are military personnel. It's just like a stupid random island, but it allows them claim over fresh water, fishing rights, and a bunch of other shit, in case you didn't think it mattered. Um, I, yes, used to live there. <laughs> have I mentioned I you live there? Um, so yeah, that was that. I, I'm not going to play this Meghan and Harry stuff because it's sort of a, a divergence from the main issue, which is colonialism bad, royalists dumb. But at some point on a bonus episode or maybe on my Twitchuation room, uh, room stream, I will talk about that because Harry and Meghan got the fuck out and they are so lucky they did. Um, because whether or not it was the queen, the, what do they call it? Like the business, the operation, the firm, they call it right. Like when Windsor palace yeah. is essentially the firm, the firm is racist and fucked up as shit. And like, let's the media and the crazy British tabloids run their goddamn lives. And so I don't give I don't care that you've got a deal on, for podcasts, for Netflix shows, live your best life, Megan and Harry. You are my prince and princess. That's it's really, th yeah. I mean, that, that video is really just a fucking advertisement for therapy. Well, now we have to play it now that you said that. I'm playing one of them. Within the first eight days of our relationship being made public was when it said Harry's girl almost straight out of Compton. And that her exotic DNA will be thickening the royal blood. We would get followed photographed, chased, harassed. The clicking of cameras and the flashes of cameras makes my blood boil. It makes me angry. It takes me back to what happened to my mum and what I experienced when I was a kid. That's enough. But it went to a whole new depth. With not just traditional media, but also social media platforms as well. So that is from the documentary, um, The Me You Don't See. There's more, but I'm afraid they're going to copyright strike this show. And uh, you know I ain't rolling in it. Unless you want to become a patron at patreon.com. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're ta he's talking about like just the open racism. And then he was like, if I didn't leave, Meghan Markle talked about this with Oprah. Like she had suicidal ideations. Like she basically was planning to kill herself. And her only the only reason she didn't was because she didn't want to do that to her husband, but she was like all about not, you know, she was like, nope, this is too much. And um, so I'm getting chills. I'll talk about it. Maybe we'll do a little, I'll, I'll force NATO to talk about it in the bonus before we talk about JK. Um, let's move on. This was the week where Lindsey Graham introduced an abortion ban at 15 weeks of gestation right at the end of the first trimester. Um, the There are of course exceptions 
because he's just such a benevolent guy. Exceptions in the case of rape, incest, or to save the life of the mother, which we all know is horseshit. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. This act is being called, get this, the Protecting Pain-Capable Unborn Children from Late-Term Abortions Act. <sighs> um, and now, in case you're wondering, like, what? 15 weeks? Late-term? Yeah, you'd be right. Uh, 15 weeks is not enough time to gestate a human. It is enough time to gestate a chinchilla. I'll have you know. It's about 110 weeks to gestate a chinchilla. Uh, excuse me, 110 days, which is 15 weeks. So there you go. Um, so no, full gestation of a human being, a human, which Lindsey Graham should know by now. He's been living on planet Earth, I don't know, at least 12 years, whenever the aliens dropped him off. Uh, it's 40 weeks. Um, and by the way, I don't know why we're supposed to listen to him, because we all know how Lindsey Graham feels about vaginas. He feels the same way that he feels about them as he feels about uh, Indian food. He's like, I tried it once. I didn't much care for it. You know, like that. <laughs> but okay, so this bill, <laughs> this bill talks about um, fetal development in really weird ways. Um, so there's a lot of like, by nine to 11 weeks of gestation, teeth as well as external genitalia begin to form. Like, ugh. Why are you talking about a fetus genitalia in your fucking bill, bro? Then, um, you know, uh, eye movements can be detected at 12 weeks. And then, of course, the biggest thing that this bill has in it is talking about pain and how much pain fetuses can feel, right? Pain receptors begin forming at seven weeks. Um, and substantial evidence indicates that children born missing the bulk of the cerebral cortex nevertheless experience pain. So, and again, NATO, this is an argument to not, to stop abortions. And not only, first of all, is the seven weeks you can feel pain untrue. In fact, just a few years ago, Republicans were debating whether it was 20 weeks. So the shit is all, it's all fucking arbitrary. They're just saying that. And it's not scientific, but also like, if they think abortion is murder, they don't like abortion, and you're using pain as an excuse, it's like, what isn't, if there is pain, isn't the final conclusion of that pain, no more pain? <laughs> because if it's a life and you think it's murder, it's not going to feel nothing no more. Like, what murderer... Like, do they think that, like, extreme torture is happening in the womb when there's an abortion? Is this, like, fucking Rumsfeld torture tactics where it's, like, they, they waterboard uh, and then electroshock the fetus before they actually extract it? That's not happening. It's not happening. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the uh, Republican credo. Life is pain, princess. <laughs> it's so upsetting to me because... Not only this pain shit is bullshit, it means nothing, but it also like because it is, I mean, let's leave aside people who want to be parents like my inner groin pain and the pain I'm going to feel bringing a fucking new life into this world the same way we all were brought into this goddamn world. But and the pain you're going to feel when when the person gets outside of your body and then grows up and says, mom, stop singing. You're embarrassing me. Yeah. Endless pain. Yeah. Just endless pain. But also like. 
they act like they've figured out how to grow a human outside of the human uterus. Like you can't, motherfucker, 15 weeks is not viable for life. 20 weeks is not viable for life. Arguably, 22, 25, most people say, most doctors, scientists will say it's 26 weeks for viability. Obviously, you're talking extensive NICU stay, like crazy intervention. Who knows the amount of like permanent, you know, if they survive at that time, it might be fine. They also might have permanent brain damage. Here they're saying like, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter because 15 weeks is the cutoff mother. Like you can't serve what have you created something where they can survive in? No. So what about the person carrying that so-called life? What about yeah. when? Yeah. Are, are you watching the new house of house of dragons? Yes, I am. But I didn't see the last episode. So don't spoil it for me. I, I haven't seen it either, but in the, in the first episode, oh. the, preg- the pregnant queen and they're like, you have to choose between the, the the mother and the child, and then they like ch- chop her up, and to save the child, and then they both die. Uh, and it's like, like watching that, being like, oh, this is, this is this is Lindsey Graham's America. Lindsey that Graham's is exa- watching watching that. Yes, like fully tumescent. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, I couldn't like, watch yeah. that. I just had to like listen and I was like, Matt, tell me when it's over. Tell me when it's over. That is way too real for me. Yeah. Um, but no, that's exactly what it is. That is Lindsey Graham's America. Oops, they both died. Oh Oops, well. They both died. Better get this dragon. <laughs> um, um, by the way, the carve outs for rape. Um, this is fun. They uh she has to, in order to get the abortion, she has to have obtained counseling for the rape, obtained medical treatment for the rape or an injury related to the rape. Um, it has to, if it's a minor, um, the government, a government agency legally has to authorize to act on reports of child abuse. And those reports have to be to a law, a law enforcement agency. So super easy bars to clear. And you have to like prove that you fought back. Also, if you can't prove that, then, oh my God, you totally asked for it. Wow, fun. So I was searching the bill. I was like, okay, what about ectopic pregnancies? What about wanted pregnancies? What about DNCs and DNEs and people who are having miscarriages? What about safe practice? Nothing. Of course, nothing. Because they don't fucking care. This is not at all about protecting the life of the child. This is about making women and pregnant people second-class citizens and controlling their bodies because it wins elections? TBD, I mean, asshole. Well, you know, I was about to say, like, I mean, to, to, to quote Dr. Strange, I think we're in the end game now. Um, the, uh, the, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen that stuff about, like, the degree to which the attacks on, on reproductive rights have, like, galvanized like, you know, people saying that they haven't seen this many younger women registering to vote ever in like by, you know, and that the swing in 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 the in in the elections that have happened, the swing towards Democrats have been like in the, you know, the like double digits in, yep. in many cases. So it's like it 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 seems like, you know, and then there was a bunch of articles in the last week or so about how Republicans were running from 
uh, the abortion record because it was, you know, trying to be like, it's all about gas prices or whatever, because it's such a liability electorally. And so it seems like either it's just like it's they're going to win and it's going to be horrible or this is like their, you know, Hail Mary pass, so to speak. Uh, it, I mean, they're doubling. It's amazing that they're doubling down on it. I mean, maybe it's Lindsey Graham was an inside job type situation because they know this not is not polling well with people. <laughs> uh, and Lindsey yet, Graham, fa- famous Democratic front group. Yes. Here is Lindsey Graham. In case you didn't think he was a massive hypocritical piece of shit, here he is just months ago saying that, of course, it's all about states' rights, that abortion should be left up to the states, and I would never introduce a federal ban on abortion. I think states should decide the issue of marriage and states should decide the issue of abortion. I have respect for South Carolina. South Carolina voters here, I trust, to define marriage and to deal with the issue of abortion, uh, not nine people on the court. By the way, the Senate in South Carolina did fail to pass a near-total abortion ban, and I believe the current one is being upheld by a judge. Um, but, I mean, it's a matter of time before that falls. But you saw South Carolina on this show, Representative, realize the consequences of his actions because he was like, oh, shit, I guess people with miscarriages are bleeding to death in their homes. Oops. I guess that's what happens. So... I mean, that's exactly what he said, but no, but so yeah, there's Graham and uh, he decided to reverse that decision. And now we have to learn about um, fetal development and their pain receptors at seven weeks. Guys, no, no, that's, it is not real. Stop fucking dissecting this down. What matters is the life of, and the choices of human beings already living outside the womb on their own in that right little one what with tiktok accounts with tiktok accounts god damn it all right why don't we skip that there's so much more to to whine about i'm so so fucking annoyed but we got to bring on our guest um super excited to have him here he is a brazil-based independent journalist and he has a new podcast called brazil on fire the first three episodes are out now might be maybe four by the time you're hearing this, but uh, listen to it. It's great. Please welcome Michael Fox. Hello. Hey. Thank you so much. Welcome. So good to have you. Um, so, okay. Uh, Love let- you and family ties. Sorry. Someone had to. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm Thank sure you. I'm not the first person <laughs> to make that joke. <laughs> Terrible. Never, never before. <laughs> NATO, you're banished. Um, Sorry. I loved you on The Good Wife. <laughs> seeing a good wife yeah god not a not a bituation room passes without nato mentioning the good wife look I'm, i don't think i've even seen it's, that it's one. my guilty pleasure <laughs> good wife. Um, michael okay so you have been living in and reporting on brazil for a quite some time now um and you you know we have the election coming up tell me tell us exactly when it is and w- how things are looking between lula da silva former president now running again um and jair bolsonaro yeah so the first round is october 2nd so it's in about three weeks uh brazil has this two round system so you have the first round and then three weeks later you have the second round um is, is there and a lightning if one round pers- <laughs> wouldn't that be nice <laughs> Uh, forget the second round. Let's go lightning. That's great. Um, 
And basically how it works is uh, if, a, if a president, if a candidate can get the majority overall of all yeah. the votes, then he can win in the first round. And according to the latest polls, that could be Lula. Some of the latest polls show that Lula could actually take it in the first wow. round. Um, the very latest polls, though, shows that he's he's increased slightly from 44% up to 46%. Bolsonaro's about 15 points behind him. And then the rest of the candidates are all kind of in the single digits somewhere. Um, now, what's interesting, and I think what, 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 what you'll like, Francesca, is, of course, there's always this other poll, right? This poll from the, from the far right, it's called Parana Pesquisas, which, which is then coming out. And that's more like Bolsonaro's people are going to follow this poll. Uh, and it's the one that's not reputable. But it shows that they're almost neck and neck. And this is what we always see, right, in Latin America. We always see, like, there's the main polls and there's other poll that's supposed to kind of back, like, the, the right-wing candidate, even though it looks like he's going to lose, as a way to then, so he can claim fraud and then, you know, come out, you know, after the elections and say, see, I, I should have Is that explicitly a right-wing poll or is it a government poll that they've commandeered? Good question. So Parana Pesquisas, and I don't know enough about them, but it's a, it's a, it's a small pollster. Okay. Parana is is one of the most conservative states. In fact, that's the state where they had the big uh, anti-corruption uh, task force that actually jailed former President Lula. So it's like it, even just the name of it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it's really, really uh, sad. But anyway, so that's so that's the latest. And, you know, the, the Lula and Bolsonaro, they're traveling around the country. They're talking with people. Bolsonaro's big thing is these big motorcycle rallies where in every city he goes to, he's on the motorcycle. And he's, you know, driving up and down the streets and people are, you know, cheering for him. And Very stuff. butch. Uh, Very but, butch. <laughs> and 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 Bolsonaro's big thing is also this kind of religious uh, rhetoric. The evangelicals, that's how he really came into yeah. office the last time. That's how he won. Uh, and he has this kind of combination, militaristic combination, religious evangelical rhetoric that he's just hammering home because he can't win on, you know, un unemployment is, is, is skyrocketing. The economy is shit. Uh, COVID was terrible. He can't win on actual policies because he didn't have yeah. any. So where he's able to win on is, is, family values and God and saying, we're, you know, we're the good ones. He's the evil one. We're God. He's devil and that type of life. I mean, and, and yeah, I mean, just devoid of politics. I think um, presidents surviving the COVID pandemic politically has been tough internationally, um, no matter what side they were on, no matter if they believed it was real or um, like Bolsonaro completely sowed a bunch of doubt and treated it like it was nothing, even though how many how many people died in Brazil? Over 650,000. Over 650,000. So, yeah. And in fact, there was a there was an investigation done by the Senate. Uh, was it earlier this year, last year? Anyway, it was an investigation done by, by Brazil and actually came out and accused the president of eight different crimes, including crimes against humanity um, for failing to protect indigenous communities. And for also, I don't know if you guys remember when uh, all of the oxygen ran out in the city of Manaus. Like people were dying from not having oxygen. It was a huge deal. And in fact, I talk about it briefly in, in the yeah. podcast, um, but that was also blaming his government for not taking measures beforehand because they you could see what was going with the oxygen and also taking more action uh, afterwards. So yeah, I mean, it. And, and, and they said, literally people said, came in, infectologists said hundreds of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of lives could have been saved. 
uh, and Bolsonaro just went. But the there's a, that sounds like more accountability than we've gotten in this country for similar <laughs> crimes against humanity That's of right. not being prepared. That's right. But anyway, let's go back to the election. Um, can, can I ask? I have a stupid question. Yes. Is okay. Mm-hmm. What 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 is voter turnout like in Brazil? So voter turnout, this is not a stupid question. This is actually a really important. See, voter it was a trick is question. Ma- is mandatory. It's- I was pretending so this- to be dumb, but I'm smart. <laughs> so this is not like the U.S., you know, where, you know, 30 percent, 40 percent of the population. So in Brazil, it's mandatory. It's your it's your not just your right or your duty, but it's actually required. Now, if you don't turn up to vote, you know, you pay a fine of like, you know, a couple a couple bucks. It's not that mm. big of a deal. But still, like the percentage of the population that votes is very, very large. Now, what many people will, will will come out and do if they don't want to vote for any of the candidates is they'll vote blank. They'll just kind of write their name on it, and then it's or it's there. It's all now computer computerized now. Um, but they'll 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 pass the thing through, and then nobody gets that vote, or they'll void it. You know, they'll write in I don't know Mickey Mouse or whatever mm. else. So that happens to a certain percentage of the votes, but still, the amount of people that turn out to vote it, it's huge. Right. It's massive because that's because it's mandatory. So, so good, good question. question, Nina. <laughs> but I had a I had a question about, you know, everyone is talking about in the same ways that up to, in the lead up to the 2020 election with Trump, that Trump will not accept the results no matter what they are. Or, I mean, if he loses effectively, um, what what's being said about Bolsonaro? How I mean, sorry, we're hearing the exact same thing said about Bolsonaro. He's not going to accept the results. What's going to happen? Where is the military going to come down? Um you know, how will he try and stay in power? What have you heard? What is the latest? And how much evidence is there to show that he will do just that? Yeah, I mean, this is a this is the most important question. This is what everybody's asking themselves. Uh, and it's and and unfortunately, the answer is not easy, right? Uh, he himself has said, well, if I were going to do a coup, I wouldn't come out and tell you about it. Uh, but at the same time, he comes out and says, oh, we need to do, um, you know, military intervention. I mean, this is this has been his his phrase for forever. We need to close uh, Congress. We need to close the Supreme Court. His people have come out and called for military intervention forever. And he has been really following the, the Trump line. I mean, since before his presidential election, but particularly over the last two years, talking about how, oh, there's fraud in the system, talking about how, uh, you know, the, we, we need the military there to monitor. In fact, his latest thing a couple of months ago was was that he wanted the military to be able to film inside voting boots to be able to to ensure that everything is legitimate, which is just which is with nightmares. If you consider that Brazil just 30 years ago ended a military dictatorship that lasted for 21 years. So that's not a good idea. Um, But anyway, so all of this is real. He came out just September 7th was the big um, bicentennial Independence Day celebrations. They had it just last Mm -hmm. week. Um, And during that time, Bolsonaro kind of co-opted that and made it into these big pro-Bolsonaro rallies around the country. And and literally that morning, he came out and he was mentioning other complicated times in the history. And he mentioned the 1964 coup. And then he said, well, you know, history can repeat itself. It can happen again. So he's kind of laying the, the, this undertone of, of yeah, this is going to happen and making everybody super nervous yeah. about it. And that's for a reason, because people throughout his government and since before, look, the the, the military dictatorship it hangs over everything in Brazil like this dark shadow. It always has. In fact, just just three years ago, um, uh, it was right after COVID was kind of spiking. It was it was April of that year, 
of, of 2020, my wife was posting stuff on Facebook. Bolsonaro was really laying it into the governors. He was laying it into Congress and Supreme Court. He was talking about potential coup, whatever, anything else. And my wife's, um, her dad actually wrote us and said, hey, have, ha have, have Sylvia please not post on on Facebook yeah. because, you know, things could get dangerous. Uh, so that's how much of a shadow the dictatorship hangs over on top of everything. And here's the thing. We don't really know what could happen. Uh, and we don't know exactly how the military lines up. There, there was a study that was done that was just released last week in which it showed that it looked like um, the Air Force and the Navy were the two branches of government that were more closely in line with Bolsonaro's misinformation about fraud, potential fraud in the elections, whatever. And they might be the, the branches of the government that might be more aligned with uh, helping Bolsonaro to enact some sort of mm. a coup, you know, January 6th moment. Um, but again, it, it, it's hard to say, would the whole the military be on board? The other thing that is really important to this question is the fact that Bolsonaro, um, that since the end of the dictatorship, you basically have uh, the, the, the military has been broken into these two branches. One of them, which is the majority, was was down with redemocratization. The other one, which is Bolsonaro's, and it's smaller, uh, was wanted to stay with the coup. And so at this point, uh, it's really hard to say. The one other thing I'd say, Francesca, is that uh, civil society, social movements, people in Brazil do not want that. Less than 10% of the population said they want a coup. And in fact, they, they were out in the streets marching for democracy on August mm. 11th. More than a million people signed this letter in defense of democracy saying, above all, we want to defend whatever the results are of, of this election are. So that's really key in the sense that it, it's a different moment than what we saw 50 years ago with the Brazilian right. coup. Uh, and many people are saying, even if Bolsonaro tries it, it's not likely he's going to be successful. And that's what mm. we're hoping. It's interesting because it's <laughs> I was just going to say, because the United States, um, you know, usually we're the one backing the coups elsewhere. And so I felt like we were caught flat footed, like, wait a minute. And, you know, Trump supporters do not know how to identify a coup <laughs> when it happens. They're like, yeah, hell yeah. Democracy. What? So there's a less of appreciation for it, I think, in this country. NATO. Um, I, I wanted to ask a question about Lula because like Lula was was president before in the in the early aughts. And what's your assessment of how Lula and the Workers Party of 2022 is different from the Workers Party of the you know 2003 period? God, this is like a dissertation, <laughs> um, which I won't give you right now, but I'm, I'm gonna try and do this really tight. But I mean, this is, this is, this is a huge question. Um, I mean, first off, just remember that when Lula left office, uh, in 2010, January 1st, he had an approval rating that was almost 90%. I mean, it was huge, right? So that's really key. He is the icon. I mean, if you could mix like Mahatma Gandhi and Obama and Cesar Chavez, because Lula, he comes from the Beyonce. fight against the dictatorship from the end of like the Beyonce, right. everybody. That's Lula. Um, now, remember, he was jailed on these corruption charges. Um, and that's what blocked him from running in the 2018 elections. And uh, and then those were absolved. Essentially, he was let out of jail. And here's the thing: they had like, and we're not going to get into the 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 the, the intricacies of the the anti-corruption lawsuit. But basically, it was found that the the judge who had been pushing this anti-corruption lawsuit for years, Sergio Moro, had been biased against Lula and so many mm -hmm. others. 
Uh, and in fact, the Supreme Court came out and said that the case against Lula in that case should not even have been tried in Curitiba. And at the same time, there were 26, I believe, 26 or 27 different lawsuits brought up against Lula for different levels of corruption and stuff. And all of them been, have been tossed out by the courts. So it's, it was actually a tax um, by, you know, the use of lawfare, the use of law as a way to tank, try and tank Lula and tank the Workers' Party. Now, this was really key, and it's important that you did bring this up, because this was one of the main things that happened back in 2018 and why Bolsonaro found his way to come into power. Bolsonaro would not have won in 2018 if Lula hadn't been jailed and if there hadn't been right. this huge anti-corruption uh, kind of scandal that was trying to tank the left and tank the Workers' Party. So the Workers' Party was really uh, tainted at that point. But since these leaks from The Intercept came out back in 2019, showing how uh, Judge Sergio Moro had worked together with the prosecutors to try and try folks on the left, how he had worked to try and tank the left, um, then that whole kind of lawsuit, it's kind of been, people are just over it. They're just like, ah. Uh. So of course you have Bolsonaro supporters and Bolsonaro has about a third of the country. And of course, they still believe that Lula is the most corrupt uh, politician there ever was in the history of the country uh, and that the Workers' Party is the worst thing ever uh, and that they're trying to create a dictatorship of the proletariat and communism and whatever, yada, yada, yada. That's bad, But the reality is, is that that, that would be, that's <laughs> right. But the reality is, um, that Lula, uh, he is still one of the most, um, especially now after he's been absolved, essentially, uh, that people are, are, are on board and people are mo much more willing to vote for Lula than they would be, but almost any other candidate. And that's why the chances of Bolsonaro winning in this election are, are, are just, even, you know, even if he has a third of the country, you just can't see how, you know, he can come back and, 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 and make it work. Lula is up ahead in the polls and he's most likely going to win. Yeah. I mean, I would love to. I would love, I mean, first of all, I hope that does happen. And I also hope that, you know, we can um, check in about, you know, Lula being part of the pink wave uh, in, in Latin America is always super fascinating to me and the ways that um, that pink wave kind of um, lost its edge and sort of calcified and really needed to um, uh, support successors. I mean, Dilma Rousseff was, was one of them, but who she obviously also got taken down in the corruption bullshit that happened. But anyway, I um, I guess I wanted to just also remember, uh, remind people that Lula did serve almost two terms, two terms, and you can serve a third, I believe, or more terms, but just not consecutively. Can you serve two more terms? That's right. Yeah. So, so that's how it works. And I don't know how I, I should know this. I, <laughs> I don't know how many times, but I, I, but not consecutively. Right. That's the point. You go two and then you move on, you know, then your successor. And that's how, that's when Dilma Rousseff won in 2010 yeah. and then was then president for, like you said, a term and a half before she was taken out by a coup. Uh, and that's how come he's allowed to, to serve again. Exactly. With this, Great and basically like a parliamentarian coup, correct? That's right. That's exactly what happened with, with Dilma. And in fact, just, just to put a, a, a pinpoint on that, she was taken out for, um, they were they called them budgetary maneuvers, and it's basically when you when you pull funds from one part of the government to another in order to balance the budget. That's what she was doing. Every administration wow. does it. The day after, the day after she was ousted from power, and the Senate voted to impeach her, the Senate then voted to legalize the exact thing that she had just done. I remember I mean, this. It's, just, it's like no, mind boggling. No. It's just it's terrifying. It is terrifying. Does 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 the fact that uh, Bolsonaro was massively impacted with feces um, <laughs> affect the election in any way at all? 
massively impacted inf- impacted before. feces wasn't he hospitalized for being having like he had, oh, right. he had doo-doo removed he from his stomach that's through right. his nose and i yeah. want that's everyone exactly, to know that yeah 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 you know um it should impact the election but <laughs> we haven't been hearing about yeah. it very often like so. like there was he had so much shit in him that the shit gets a vote yeah, yeah, it was. How the shit became was sentient was and was like, "We're voting now, for." Lula. Now, what's what's interesting though is that he used that moment to not have to go to debates, Oof. right? He said, "Well, I just got stabbed and I'm I'm sick." So they said, "Well, you can zoom in from home. That's fine." He said, "No, no, it's okay. I just won't do it." <laughs> like, how so, long after that procedure are you just straight tasting shit in your mouth? Like a very, I'm so, <laughs> and that that to me is the best. The best we can hope for, or maybe not, but for Bolsonaro uh, get, seeing his day. My question about Bolsonaro is, what's been the impact in just four years of him in power? And then let's say he does win. What would four more years look like? You know, so many people that I've been interviewing over the last few years, they just keep bringing up this phrase of policies of death, the policies of death. And it's funny because I've been going back in doing this podcast, I'm, I'm going back and listening to interviews I did like his first year in, in power and, and in like the days leading up to his inauguration. And they were saying the same thing. And then I went back and said, God, that's what we saw under COVID. Mm. Like hundreds of thousands of people died, you know, like completely just terrifying, uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, response to COVID just saying that it was just this, you know, it was nothing. It was just a cold. And if you take vaccines, well, you might, they might turn you into a crocodile. So that's just COVID. Um, you've, you've seen this complete uh, deconstruction of state institutions that were there to protect, whether it was the environment or indigenous peoples or health, or for instance, the, the ministry of the women's ministry is now the women, the, the, they, they combined the women's ministry with the, with the ministry of health. And now they call it the, the, the ministry of family. So it's the ministry of, of, of human rights, women, sorry, not health, human rights, women and family. And then they have an evangelical pastor who's been uh, in charge of that for almost the entire That's time. That's insane so to what, me. I I, yeah. I listen to that bit of your podcast and I'm just like, wow, that is a, so all this progress and then just completely rolled back. Just completely rolled back. And then, and, 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 and this question about, I mean, you know, the Amazon, I think is, is the great metaphor. It's the great symbol. And we saw the Amazon fires back the first year. Everybody was up in arms, 2019. This year, it's been worse. The Amazon fires have been worse, but you haven't heard anything about them because there's all, so much other shit going down that like people just can't handle it. Um, but it's, it's, it's worse than ever. We saw more invasions into indigenous territories than ever. I mean, it's happening in this skyrocketing level. People are actually taking indigenous land and then selling it to other people, to cattle farmers and cattle ranchers. Um, and that's just the Amazon. In fact, the, my last episode is all about that. Um, but so it's been this complete deconstruction of the state. And then overall, uh, the, I mean, the last thing, and I talk about this as well, is, is how he's just unleashed this virulent white supremacy, fascism, sexism, homophobia across the country, just like Donald Trump. Right. And that's um, and that has been like this undercurrent throughout his administration. He's basically legitimized it and said, yeah, yeah it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, and so that's four years. If he is allowed to stay in office, there was an article that just came out in the nation uh, and they talked about this. If he's allowed to stay in office, the destruction of the Amazon is going to be acute. I mean, mm. massive. Uh, and then we're going to see more of the same, except the fact that he's not going to have to say, oh, maybe I'll get elected, whatever else. He can just, you know, roll through what he wants right. to. 
Um, so no, it's really concerning what could happen if he's, if he stays in office. I think for people who haven't been paying attention, um, listening to your podcast has been so eye-opening, at least for me, like I've been paying somewhat attention, but the similarities of Trump and Bolsonaro are insane. The evangelical vote, the culture war, the strongman bullshit. And I love the way you explain and you uh, uh, fascism and the way that fascism, it's, it's more than authoritarianism and a lack of belief in democracy. It does have that, that strong current of, of misogyny, of um, uh, like political violence, I think is, is something we forget yeah. to name when we talk about fascism. Um, but yeah. like, just all the little stunts, the, the ways that he hounded what a, an, a gay lawmaker, the ways that he, you know, is just a total bully and people love that about him. Like yeah. that has been insane. So that, that culture war piece, how is that resonating with Brazilians every day? Like, how has that even worked um, in terms of like reeling them into that idea of the culture war? I mean, it's so it's it runs so deep, just like in the states, right? It's run so deep, and that's the thing is Brazilians and Bolsonaro, the, the Brazilians really look to the states. I mean, and, and this is something that people don't really understand, right? If Brazil is roughly half half the size of South America and has roughly half the population of South America, and Brazilians, when they look to another country to who they emulate and who they they really resonate with, they look to the U.S. I mean, I, as you know, <laughs> you know stuff. I know, but even even in terms of like style mm. right in in so many countries in latin america men you're they're, you're never you're never going to catch them in shorts no. you know or wearing flip-flops or whatever else but in brazil that is that everybody's in shorts flip-flops they got their ball caps like this is like there's so many layers yeah. in which you're looking to the u.s and and so trump he adds this extra layer sure on to brazil it. would have based their culture on uruguay <laughs> if only yeah, by like, the way first the of all, i just want to yeah. underscore this is a stupid point but the fact that brazilians are one of the few latin americans that wear shorts is huge like no matter how hot it would get living in argentina nobody fucking wears shorts just no it's just totally. not a thing because it's not it's like nobody wants to see your legs and you know wear some goddamn pants even women just as pants um or a long skirt but that's really funny sorry sorry so uh, yes it doesn't seem like that's big of a deal but no, it actually it is is. Weird. Like, that's a point that's a thing <laughs> nope, nobody, nobody wears shorts in cuba either like it was yeah. like you know you you wear slacks and a shirt nice a pressed shirt you manicure your eyebrows <laughs> if you're gonna like walk yeah. around the block you better look fly <laughs> exactly so no so the, so the connection the parallels the reason why he sees Trump as this huge beacon for everything he does, it's huge. And the culture war, look, it's been deep and it's been growing over, particularly like in the, like in the States, it's been growing for the last 30 years and it's been growing for Brazil for the last two decades. And something I bring in into the podcast, which is so huge and we don't get it in the States, is this guy Olavo de Carvalho, mm. who is this philosopher guy who basically created, he renewed the, the far right in Brazil and he's been doing it from Virginia. Like from, from, I mean, he's, he's dead now. He died from COVID uh, earlier this year, but he, like, he had this whole philosophy courses uh, in which he was training thousands of Brazilians on this kind of far right ideology and much of it kind of culture war stuff. Basically, uh, all, you know, all of it, uh, what do you call it? Conspiracy theorist, 
Um, but and then and then taking what we know and then flipping it all up into its head and teaching people how to not you know uh, have a debate but actually attack your opponent because yeah. that's so key right in in culture war it's so key in in fascism is 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 about how to like not just have a conversation and talk about the issues that that I stand for and you stand for but it's actually about no no you are wrong and I am right and we're gonna take you out um, and and you know the other thing Francesca what, you know talking about this 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 question of of fascism. And these this, these ties between Brazil and the U.S. This is the whole reason why I wanted to do this podcast because I wanted to show U.S. reality from within, like another country. I wanted us to see that mirror within the United States, and and for because you you listen to the podcast and it's not overt, right? But you like I wanted people to hear the podcast and go, wait, this is really similar yeah. to the U.S. Like without anybody saying it, I wanted that to just be like this undertone of being like, oh God, um, and it and it's real because here's the thing: regardless of who wins uh, this next election. Bolsonaro has set the country on fire and he's unleashed this 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 renewed fascism like Brazil hasn't seen in yeah. forever and unleashed this white supremacy that Brazil hasn't seen forever. The number of Nazi and this is this is in the, the podcast, the episode that, that's released today. But the number of neo-Nazi cells increased roughly 60 percent under Bolsonaro's first two, two or three years in, in power. So this is happening. And what does that mean? Let's say Lula comes into power. You can't just put a you can't just put like, you know, Put the genie back in the bottle. This stuff is still happening, just like in the states, yeah. right? All of Trump's crazy, uh, virulent far-right supporters—they're still there. They haven't gone anywhere. Um, and so that's what's really concerning: is it's this isn't just a story about Brazil; it's a story about the U.S. at the same time. Right? I really wanted to bring this in, and I—it's like it's bizarre, and it happened, you know, I believe a week and a half ago or a week ago when um, a Brazilian man attempted to kill the vice president of Argentina. Um, uh, Christina Fernandez de Kirchner and um, did not was not successful but but what's interesting there's a weird just speaking on like the international way that fascism um, and fascists and sort of like white supremacists are winking and high-fiving each other um, there was an Argentine man in La Plata who was like online praising this Brazilian guy for his attempted assassination. That dude apparently runs a cultural center in La Plata called the Kyle Rittenhouse Cultural Center. So to give you a sense, you're getting like, again, these, the triad, the, the multi Talk about, you know, and people who like hate internationalism. This is white supremacist internationalism right here where there's a cold Kyle Rittenhouse. I didn't even know that people in Argentina knew about fucking Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just deeply, deeply scary. So, and I also wanted to name that like Carvalho is the brain, sort of the brains behind a lot of these movements in Brazil He's Bannon-esque. I mean, Bannon, I guess, wishes he could be Carvalho. And then, or Carvalho. Um, so Bannon, Carvalho, and then like Dugan in, in Russia, kind of like very ultra-nationalist. Um, again, Dugan's daughter was killed. And I think that that car bomb was like actually aimed at him. But just, there's a cross-continental sort of patchwork of both fascist politicians and then their thinkers and then their little martyrs. That's right. That's right. Exactly. And you know what? They're linked up with this religion or philosophy called traditionalism, um, which is this far right uh, philosophy, which I'm not going to get into now because it's super complicated. But there's an amazing book by um, by this 
professor from the University of Colorado who maps it all out and maps the connections between Bannon. In fact, Bannon and Carvalho, they finally met at the U.S. Embassy in Washington just recently, just a couple of years yeah. ago. Um, and, and, and in fact, that was around the same time that Carvalho went and, and he actually went to the CIA. Bolsonaro was the first Brazilian president ever to visit the U.S. CIA. He did that, by the way, before he met with Secret Service in Brazil just to show you where his allegiance lies, right? Um, but so that's exactly it. It's so good that you brought that up because you have the thinkers that are kind of trying to push um, this far-right ideology. Then you have kind of these kind of more massive movements. And here's the thing, the idea of fascism, and, and, and this is so important, the, the other reason why I wanted to do this was so that we actually start to talk about what fascism right. is and, and understand this. Um, but it's, you know, it, it, it's about hate, it's about violent discourse. Um, it's about one charismatic leader and building a movement of people kind of in support of that charismatic leader toward um, dictatorship and of, your, and of course using kind of fake news, right, misinformation to try and get, you know, achieve your goals, whatever those yeah. might be. Uh, and that's kind of what's behind all this stuff, yeah. you know, so frightening. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we have to leave it there, but... Um... Thank you for enduring NATO's dumb questions, and thank you. For... I have eleven more dumb questions. Poor NATO. Poor NATO. <laughs> no, but we please come back on in the next like like whenever you know, whatever like early soon, so we can do awesome. a breakdown of what happened and an assessment. You know, I think NATO's right on. I mean, I sure as shit hope that Lula pulls through. But there's a lot to defend and there's a lot to undo. And um, Brazil's got, and just like we all have, I mean, it's it's like, you know, touching base with Biden and you're like, you only have a little bit of time before fascists come back into power. Um, yeah, yeah. So no offense to Lula. I didn't mean to say that Lula's like Biden. They're not the same, of course. <laughs> They're going to get emails. People are going to be shitty on Twitter. <laughs> What are you thinking? Right. Everybody check out Brazil on Fire, um, all podcast platforms. Um, check out Michael's work. He's been writing about Latin America for so many years now. And and thank you. Follow thank him you. at uh, M M Fox underscore. What was that? What was that? Us. 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 On Twitter, M Fox us. underscore. Nice us. to meet you. Take care. Nice to meet you too. NATO. What up, bro? Have you been watching the Lord of the Rings prequel? Uh, I'm about an episode and a half in. Okay. And, uh, have, how long did it take you to get triggered by, uh, the hobbits of color and the hot elves? Uh, excuse color? me. Excuse me, Francesca. They're <laughs> Harfoots. They're not hobbits. They're clearly, so, I, what I love about the, 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 the Harfoots that are hobbit-esque, but not identified as hobbits is that there, it's clearly, you know, this is important, implies <laughs> that evolution exists in Middle Earth, that they're not hobbits yet. They're, but they're like, they're on they're, their they're, way. They're, yeah, they're like, a, they're like the Australopithecus of hobbits. Uh, <laughs> like, they haven't evolved into full hobbitry yet. So, and also, That's like, the funny. hobbits are like very, like, you know, 18th century British countryside, like, very prim and proper and like mannered. And these people are like, are all, they're all like dirty and they have like, white person dreadlocks and you know <laughs> like don't have their shit together uh so there's like some aspect of like both social development as well yeah <laughs> that, they haven't like, settled at, on the shire right they're nomadic right at this point. they're nomadic like so it, like at some point they're gonna be like you know what 
high tea is cool as fuck. Like that that's going to be like season two of the series. So, okay. NATO's going real deep. Uh, for I'm those sorry. of you who haven't watched, no, there's no spoilers. Although Lord of the Rings has been out for forever and rings of power is it's good. And yes, there are um, elves and hobbits and other mythical creatures um, who are not played by just white actors, unlike the Lord of the Rings. And if you didn't know, um, racists are mad and they are very, very loud. They are not only trolling these actors, they are review bombing the show, giving it one star, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's like, it's on mass. It's not just a few people. It's not just a few tweets. It is definitely a coordinated campaign. Um, and it's pretty at once hilarious and scary at the same time. Talk about the culture war. Um, they're saying they're claiming that their childhood is being ruined because mm. there's a black elf. I mean, it's actually worse than like, it's not just that there weren't actors of color on the original Lord of the Rings, but like in the Peter, Peter Jackson series, there were actors of color, but they were like the cast Orcs. as, or, as the, or like the savage men of the South or whatever that right. came to fight gondor right. uh so so like the the triumph of uh, uh i'm gonna go deep again go uh, deep you know of of in the original series visually of aragorn and the hobbits and the elves was presented in in highly racialized terms as a as a triumph of whiteness um when yeah. they when they destroyed the ring and now i guess we have a Wait, 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 wait. They destroy, wait, who destroyed whiteness? No, it's a triumph of whiteness when Frodo destroyed the ring. Oh. And it was a triumph of whiteness that had to be consummated at the end of The Return of the King with about an hour and a half of slow motion crying denouement. Wait, is this, you're saying this is what racists think? Or this is what, because no, Tolkien, this is Tolkien the didn't think the, that. No, but the, the I don't know, I, yeah, I, I don't know that Tolkien thought it, but in the original film trilogy that Peter Jackson put out, um, Ah. Uh, that like the the visuals of it are very racial. Oh, got it. I mean, I kept on because of when it came out. I was like, this is George W. Bush, this is you know Sauron and the I R Mordor's basically the war machine, and we should stop it. But like that was just my <laughs> my own world view plastered on top of it. The point is this: these are fictional fucking characters, hobbits, Harfoots, Hardfoots. Elves, whomever else, uh, uh, dwarves, bro, dwarves don't exist in the real world. Um, we're not talking about little people, uh, <laughs> don't exist, and yet they're freaking out. And so, I want to ask you, NATO, if you were, if we could drive the knife even further, how would we ruin white childhood? Okay, I just want to say. I feel like women haven't been freaking out about when like Brandy played Cinderella. Remember that? Everyone loved that. No one was like, ew. But now, of course, you've got mostly men also freaking out about the fact that like the new Little Mermaid is black. And like, you know, we've seen the videos of like little young black girls watching the little mermaid trailer and like going like oh, she looks like me like it's just uh, like it's, just, uh, it's very 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 sweet and how could you be mad about that so i'm sure it's not only men but it's mostly men 
So here's my thing. Um, I think Inspector Gadget, we're going to just ruin more white child. Inspector Gadget is black. Okay. And he works with cop watch and mm -hmm. he's just roots out dirty cops. He like films them and he figures out ways to like trap killer cops. <laughs> cool. um, I think Rambo is Vietnamese. That's right. We're doing a Vietnamese Rambo and now it's real payback. No, no, no. Real fucking payback. <laughs> um, we are kidnapping Henry Kissinger and we're torturing his little ass. Um, Super Mario Brothers are Latino. That's right. Um, it makes way more sense. Uh, and <laughs> um, because they'll actually do a good job painting. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, that I'm going to ruin the childhood. Uh, Super Mario Brothers are Latino. And um, Princess, what's her name? Princess Toadstool. She's uh, she's Indian. That's right. Uh, can I uh, can I make the Terminator Jewish? Yes. Please. Uh, <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> oh my god! That's very funny. Um, right? Yeah, the Terminator is. Jewish and and autistic, right? Because that's how he like like it's not his like machinery that he can like identify you and who you are and like your weight and height and like what your name is. It's just yeah. his like autism kicking in. He's neurodivergent. Look, I'm I'm right here. You could just say my name if you want to. <laughs> it's just NATO. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about autistic Jews? I'm right here. Come on. <laughs> Um, I love that. Any... I, I was I was talking to my brother this week, and I was like, "Are we on the spectrum?" <laughs> well, he might not be. Uh... <laughs> are you yeah. are you late to see? This is what TikTok is about, Nato. Everyone goes on TikTok and talks about how they're neurodivergent. So this is your you have to find that beat. Yeah, I got to find that beat. Um, uh... Any anything else? Anything that you would have been a, like like? Oh my god, but. But that G.I. Joe is white. Right, right. Uh, Care Bears. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, I think I think um, uh, uh, Ronald McDonald should be Nicaraguan. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, what else? Um, and That's very specific. It's very specific. I know. Um <laughs> And I think, um, oh, I don't know. I mean, I. I liked mostly animals. See, that's my thing is like, I was really into animals, but I also was into She-Ra as when I was really, 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 really little. And I oh, think if, yeah. if there were more like, yeah, black Barbie came out, like brown Barbie came out when I was little, but like if the main event, the main, if like the protagonist, that's the whole thing that like, we came out like, when we were younger, it was like, yeah, there's inclusion, but the protagonists are always white. And I think well, that and, does something to your brain. And also, I mean, it also felt like when we were younger, like there would be there would be inclusion, but it would be also like very stereotypical and like it'd be like G.I. Joe is all white guys and the black one or whatever. Exactly. You know, 
like and and his name is tyrone and he's got an afro and like (laughs) it's just mr t yeah yeah you know um so uh so like you because you wouldn't get like uh like multiple flavors of the diverse representation right 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 no exactly and now that they're actually there's like they've got more than one line Ugh. anywho everybody um calm down talk speak back to your to the person who's like like here here's what i will say anyone who bats an eye bats an eye at the fact that like the dwarf wife in the uh rings of power is like i think she's iranian and african she's like a really cool mix like anyone who bats an eye that there's a black elf like you might be a racist that might be a sign that you might be racist like if you feel a little tinge of like that's not right that's on you that's on nobody else but you nobody's thinking that nobody cares nobody uh, yeah i mean it's you know it's like we went through this with the lady ghostbusters and we went through it with like you know, John Boyega is the black stormtrooper, and people are like, there are no black stormtroopers. Or or there God, was when Stormtrooper, the guys who wear helmets constantly. Right. Uh or when Michael B. Jordan played the human torch in the in one of the iterations, the Fantastic Four. Um, like there are people who get upset about that stuff, and it's easy to be like, Well, that's dumb. It's this is all fantasy. But then then those people are like, and that's why I'm you know, I'm becoming the QAnon sh- shaman. And I'm going to go rub my dick on Nancy Pelosi's desk <laughs> on January 6th. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, that thought process, like, like I've always thought that, like, you know, part of whiteness is that there's some that there's some level of privilege that you have to give up as a white person. And then you just freak the fuck out. And I have I just haven't hit mine yet. And that there would be something where people would be like, like, the day would come where, like, well, Data, in order to build a just society and have, like, freedom for everybody... Here's something that you have to give up, and I'd be like, "Oh no, now I have to kill everyone." Um, I don't know what that thing is. I can't I sort of can't imagine what that thing is, but I sort of feel like cocktails, cocktails, right? Sorry, NATO. Like, uh, in order to have a just society, um, you're you just, can't have you, a bar cart. You'd be yeah, like, you, you just have to eat at Cheesecake Factory forever more, and then I'd be like, "Oh, maybe fascism is good." <laughs> NATO Green, everybody, please, please, if you haven't already, download his albums on Bandcamp. Um, he is wonderful. He is a homie. And hopefully he'll join me for a very, very quick Patreon-only show right after this. We're going to talk about J.K. Rowling a little bit more because I need someone who actually has read all, all of Harry Potter. <laughs> okay. NATO, be very well. Take good care. Um, and thank you guys for being here. Thanks for all of your super chats. Thanks for your your comments, your likes, your love. Um, reading a few of them right now. Uh, Moon Dragon, here's for my fir- here's to my first live Tuesday. Let's go for Antifa. Thank you so much for that super chat. Um, Camperman says uh, eyes wide shut. That Kubrick masterpiece. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Squirrely Coney, um, can we? tweet that quote that the queen liked to fuck oh yeah once you tweet it it's just basically canon i mean it's real um pow nobody now on twitch says i don't wish death on them but old people do tend to die i think this is about the queen um 
<laughs> Winston 12, one, uh, 12, 18, 80 is talking about the ads on Twitch. These ads are fire. I had no idea in just 10 months I could be a dental assistant. <laughs> Hashtag life changing. I am running a couple more ads. I apologize. I'm trying to run them at the beginning of the show. Um, and so it goes during the song. And uh, anyway, subscribe. What are you doing? Uh, Alex Samaras, I hate how the rightist co-opted the term late-term abortion to mean in latter parts of the pregnancy. Late-term specifically means after the, expect, uh, the expected pregnancy term. Totes. Um, LM says about this is about abortion. There's no brain to receive the pain signals. Yeah, how can you get the pain signals when also... We're talking about abortion. You, you're already against abortion. So now you're against the pain of abortion. What if there was painless abortion? I just don't get it. Um, Winston also, women are just human 3D printers to Republicans. Indeed. Um, Mayor Watt on Twitch, the deaths in Brazil due to COVID ratio is the same as the U.S.'s. Mm -hmm. And our one-term president did not survive. Don M., thank you so much. Here's to all the Virgos. Hell yeah, I did just have a birthday. Happy birthday if your birthday is in the Virgo sign. Because I love you. Today is Fiona Apple's birthday. Another fucking star. Um, and I have some really great comments. Uh, WolfGlen99 saying about all these, about the like characters of color. I did notice they had darker skin. Did it matter? No. Yeah, exactly. You notice it and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Anyway. Back to the story. Um, smart, uh, Smatty Smat Smat says, the genre is fucking fantasy. Um, and then Kamun Yu on, on Twitch. Yeah, the skin color was the unbelievable part of the story. Uh, the Little Mermaid purist right now, Damini Arma says, are like, she has to be white. The deep ocean can't get sunlight for Ariel to develop melanin. So fucking good. All right. And with that, the fart song. I just got to thank all the new patrons at $10 or more. Thank you so much to Mick, to Savas or Savas, to Jack F, to Jolene M, who just joined right before the show. Um, thank you to the big tipper, Sheila L, to Jeffrey G, um, who says tips for the Bambina. Muchas gracias. Oh, gracias. To the Twitch subs, Kathleen, Blue8319, uh, Candice Lynn 112, Willie Gus, Speak Minds 1, Adam DeBomb, Dragon Zero Kid, Tempoden 918, Mark, Marcus Aurelius 75, Dory B, A Trolfi, and Empire 6 who subbed during the show. And did I miss anyone? Ah, oh, Smatty Smats, Matt, resubscribe or subscribe for one month of Tier 1. You're wonderful. Thank you, guys. We stream every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Thank you to Paige Omek, Maximilian Inhoff, Alexandra Orness, and Andy Vasoyan for helping me out with this goddamn labor of love. Follow us on Twitter at VituationPod, TikTok, and Instagram at FrannyFio. And uh, remember, we're going to talk about the elections the next coming weeks, and it's going to be good. But until then, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy. And don't just bitch about it. Be about it. And what I meant by last week when I said, right, make calls, I also meant, I meant make calls for the midterms. That's what I meant. Okay, bye.